Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the PropG Markets podcast. For nearly two years, PropG Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, PropG Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer... It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, Fighting Universe? Uh, Jose Young here with MMAfighting.com with another episode of The A-Side. We've been teasing this all morning, and I'm really excited to bring in my, my co-host, uh, UFC Hall of Famer Uriah Faber. Recently came back, had a big uh, knockout win over Ricky Simone at UFC Sacramento. Uh, Uriah, welcome to The A-Side. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. And this is live, of course, so people can tune in. And if you do have questions for myself, or obviously you have questions for Uriah, you can use hashtag the A-side or leave a comment in the comment section on the channel. But uh, there's, I've already looked through. There are a lot of questions, uh, obviously, because we this is a Hall of Famer is a co-host. So we're going to I've narrowed it down to a few uh, specifically for Uriah. So but we're going to jump right into the questions. Uh, the first one from Eduardo Bueno, Mr. Faber. What's next for Cody Garbrandt and Sage? Are they coming back soon? Also, did the UFC contact you about what's next after the Simone bout? Cheers. You know, uh, UFC didn't contact me about what's next after the Simone fight. Dana and I went back and forth just on text messages, messing around, talking crap to each other. And uh, he congratulated me, and, and uh, we just chit-chatted, but not about the future necessarily. As far as Sage and Cody goes, Cody is about healed up. Sage has little ways to go. Sage can't work out right now uh, because of the surgery he had. His his face is still healing. I mean, you can't really tell. He looks fine, but there's just a bunch of stuff that needs to be healed in there. So he's he's waiting for now. And um, Cody's been looking good in practice. He's been in uh, as of late, especially. He's all healed up. He had a, a wrist injury that was bugging him and. And uh, so now he's back in the mix, and I'm not sure what's up next for him. He said, whatever it takes, whoever is standing in the way of getting him his belt, that's what he said. Does he have a, a fight card in mind? I know they have that big UFC San Francisco card. I'm sure he'd rather fight in the NorCal area. I think, uh, I think you know, Cody likes to go big. I think Madison Square Garden would be a good one. You know, he always likes the biggest opportunities, and so uh, – you know, that, that, that one's a little ways off, but I think you know, he, he should be ready. Right on, right on. Well, we're going to move on. Uh, from an, uh, this, another person that leaves many a comment every episode, but life is kicking my butt. Mr. Faber, given that a single eye poke could render a fighter crippled for life via nail, cut, puncture, etc., do you think MMA promotions and or athletic commissions should enforce a rule that nails must be cut smooth before an MMA bout with open gloves uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. 
they actually do. They check your nails. They check your nails before every fight. That's like the last thing they do. They check your mouthpiece, your cup, and they feel your nails. Like when you see a, a referee right before you walk in the octagon, grab your hands. They are checking your nails. So it is a, it is a rule, and um, the best officials always do it. So moving on, I think this, this is another question I think you'll have a lot of thoughts on. From Mila of Crow in her cry, and I, I pop, again, sorry for, if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, he asked a lot of questions about, hi, guys, is Cejudo versus Amanda Nunes one of the biggest fights the UFC could possibly put on? And would the novelty of a male versus female cage fight make it the biggest fight in UFC history? Thanks. I mean, this obviously isn't going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but what do you think about all of these uh, hypothetical situations about Henry Cejudo, man? Uh, you've had some words with on Twitter and possibly fighting UFC bantamweight champion Amanda Nunes. Uh I doubt a Nunes would, would, would mind. You know, she's kind of a gangster. Uh, and, and I mean, there are some, some differences in men and women. That's why they don't usually compete together. But, uh, you know, if anyone were the, the, the one that would do it, I, I, I bet Amanda could, could hang. Now, Cejudo is a very rare animal, Olympic gold medalist, two-time division champion uh, as well. So, it uh, I mean, I Definitely Henry would have would be the favorite, but um, Amanda doesn't strike me as the type of person that would back down from a, from a Henry Cejudo. So what did you make of, I think the last time we heard a lot of this male versus female comparison was when Ronda was running through the division and everyone wanted her to fight either. They wanted her to fight Floyd Mayweather or they wanted her to fight another bantamweight. So as a fighter, when you hear all these fans calling for this, what goes through your head? Well, you know, First off, you want to get some negative press for our sport, have uh, guys and girls beating each other up. That's what I thought first and foremost. And then secondly, um, you know, I wouldn't want to mess with a girl. Girls can definitely beat up guys. It's, it's, it's no question. Girls, girls are the toughest people on the planet, birthing children and, and putting up with all the crap they put up with from us jerks. Uh, I wouldn't want to mess with a chick. We're way outmatched. Especially Amanda Nunes, who's head-kicking everybody. Um, but mo moving on, um, what we got – man, we have a lot of questions coming through. All right. Okay. Um, all right. From Zaku Kokegi, Uriah, training versus parenting. What is it like training at a high-class level and also being a parent to a newborn? Congrats on the great comeback. Hope to see you soon. Um, you know – Training's definitely a different kind of animal than parenting. I haven't gotten to the to the real tough part yet. Our baby's been super easy as far as the sleeping goes, so that that was the big worry. Um, but uh, you know, training at the highest level is super demanding. You're, you're you're getting beat up. You're having to train when you don't want to. You're you're uh, always a little bit injured. You're hungry. You're sore all the time. Um, you know. Being a parent is, is demanding, absolutely, but it's uh, kind of the same kind of thing. It's about passion. You have passion for the sport. That's why you do it. You have passion for the next generation and, and your little baby. So there are some similarities there. Um, you know, they can pay me just to make a bunch of kids. I might do that, you know. Um, <laughs> so you obviously a lot of your teammates, Team Alpha Male guys, have had kids in the past. Cody, like TJ has a kid. I believe Chad uh, Mendez also had a kid. Did they tell you anything? Or when you're watching them 
go through this as new parenting uh, experience, were you, did that prepare you for what when you had your child? Were you like, well, I've seen this, I've seen this play out enough times. I I may not know firsthand what to expect, but you've seen it play out with your teammates. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you just see the this the level of joy and commitment it brings to to the guys. And yeah, Danny Castillo just had his his baby boy, and Chad had his girl, and and Cody, of course, and you know, we've got guys Angelo Trevino and Joseph Morales, guys that started with me when they're little kids, who basically you know, started the family before I did. So it was, it was cool to see uh, the progression with, with everyone having kids. And, and, you know, you learn a little bit, but you don't really know until you're right in front of a baby and, and how you're going to feel and everything else. And it's been awesome. Are you going to be one of the parents that allows their kids to go to fights? I know some fighters don't want their kids to go. Either A, it would be past their bedtime, or B, um, they wouldn't want their see their kid watch them maybe fight another human being inside of an octagon. Uh, I'll cross that bridge when we get there. I mean, we definitely didn't have her come to my fight, uh, at this time. I'm not against it necessarily. I'm not like for it. I haven't really thought about it, but, um, I think our, our, our baby girl is going to be pretty exposed to the sport. She comes in and watches boxing and, uh, you know, boxing sparring in the gym or, you know, comes in and watches this world jujitsu. So, and when I'm at home watching, watching fights, she'll be sitting there with me. So, it's not going to be a strange thing for her. I think it'll be something that she's probably super used to. So maybe, maybe not. Sure. Well, another, another technique question from our friend SJY, uh, flying knees. We saw another flying knee KO last night on Dana White's Tuesday night contender series is the flying knee. The technique du jour is the great equalizer to the double leg takedown. Could Dustin hit Habib with one and end Habib's reign as champ cheers Thanks from SJY. So, yes, uh, a lot of flying knees are in the in the highlight reels lately. We famously saw Corey Masvidal score that five-second KO over Ben Askren. Uh, is this – is could that be a possibility in the Dustin Habib fight? And is, is that really the, the great equalizer for the double-up takedown like our friend SJY is asking? Uh, well, flying knees have always been an awesome, awesome tool. Uh, I think, you know, properly set up, takedowns is is kind of the the anti-flying knee you know <laughs> I, we see a lot of guys getting desperate for a takedown that's when you're in super super danger of those kind of those kind of tools uh uppercuts flying knees up kicks uh just a, a pure level change in general can can help snuff a, a a double leg but habib is is getting good with his hands too and he's got to be you know continually working on that i would think you saw him Rock Connor when they fought, uh, which was just a small part of 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 the the beating that he gave. But um, you know, I, I don't think Khabib is going to be just be fall into getting desperate for a takedown. He's going to be putting super pressure with his hands and, and just with his pace. And um, I predict that it won't be a flying knee that, that finishes that fight. Uh, and and uh, you know the the sport has always seen the flying knees. It is a great tool against double legs, but a properly set up double leg or uh, you know uh, a different different attack might be the key to to fight the, the the flying knee. Sure, and sticking sticking with this theme of wrestlers uh, going into the Ben Askren, another question. Good mo- good afternoon, Jose, and good morning, Uriah, if you are in California. 
Uh, rumor has it Ben Askren versus Damian Maya is being discussed. At first, I thought Damian was too low in the rankings for Ben to fight, but I'm but I'm not sure if a fight versus other top welterweights coming off losses like RDA or Wonderboy would be a good matchup for Ben stylistically. Do you think Damian Maya is the right fight for Ben Askren, and is this a must-win for both fighters? Um, Damian Maya is a super specialized guy when it comes to jiu-jitsu, and Askren's super, super specialized in, in wrestling. Um, I think that would be uh, – like for me that would be a really interesting matchup i'd love to see that and i don't think you know a guy like maya has been around so long anything that you give that guy he's deserving of i don't care about rankings or anything else he's a warrior he's put in his time he's he's uh he's a guy that's earned every opportunity so you you could put him against anyone in the world right now and and i wouldn't have a qualm with saying he's deserved it so uh yeah i'd like to see that matchup i think it'd be a good a good uh, matchup also for for Askren to get his head straight. I mean, <laughs> you get you get rocked like you did. That that's that's a jarring hit to the brain. Um, I'd like to see him do a strategic matchup against two masters of the crafts. Uh, I'd I'd love to see it, and I don't think the rankings has anything to do with with that matchup. Now, if that fight does happen and say it's a five-round fight, who would you favor in a five-round as opposed to a three-round? Uh, the grappler, like you said, Damian Maya, or the elite-level wrestler like Ben Askren? You know, I've got to go back and watch Askren's, Askren's fights and see his finishing moves, you know. I'm not sure how he's progressed as a jiu-jitsu player. I know he has uh, a great a great jiu-jitsu instructor out there with Duke Rufus, uh, Daniel Vandalay. He's, he's my boy, big dog, they call him. So I know he'll be prepared, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, the wrestling is more of, you know, is more of a control thing. If, if, if Ashton can find a way to do damage in that, in that situation, that would be the question. But, you know, jiu-jitsu can, can either nullify wrestling or get – wrestlers in trouble that haven't done their homework so if ben isn't taking it serious i think there's a better chance of him getting caught than him catching uh maya right and i mean i just want to watch that fight as a stylistic matchup i can't agree with you enough but um another interesting question from our friend lodovic i don't know if you watched the ufc san antonio fights but the francisco trinaldo versus alexander hernandez uh, was a little controversial in the eyes of the fans alexander hernandez got the decision win but Francisco Trinaldo was very adamant that he won, and I think a lot of people agreed with him. Um, so someone is asking how we scored the fight. I personally thought Francisco Trinaldo won, but what was? But part of the question is, but even more interesting to me is that Francisco Trinaldo asked the UFC to get his win bonus even though he lost. I wonder, does the UFC actually do that, paying a fighter his win bonus after a controversial decision? I think Shogun got his win money after his first fight against Machida, but I thought that was an exception. Any chance that Francisco Trinaldo could see this money? Also, thanks to Uriah for joining our community. We haven't uh, haven't seen that coming in a million years. So, uh, are you talking about the the lat, the final fight in the Contender Series, right? No, the this was the UFC San Antonio. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo lost to um, Alexander Hernandez, and a lot of people believe Francisco Trinaldo won. And he's now asking for his win bonus, even though he didn't pick up the W. Is that some? Basically, he's asking, is that something the UFC could possibly do, or have you heard anything like that happening? You know, Dana is actually a really good guy. Um, 
and he'll do that kind of stuff out of the kindness of his heart sometimes. You know, it's, it's funny because you, know, you have mixed reviews on Dan throughout the years, but somebody that's worked with him for a lot of years, I just know he's a real fair guy. And if he thinks something himself, he, he'll probably do it. Now, going and asking for it is a different animal. Um, he doesn't like to be held up, that's for sure. So it'll all come. I didn't see the fight. I don't know how big of a ripoff it was. If it was like a blatant, blatant miss, miss call, um, and Dana was like, man, I can't believe that. I, I thought so-and-so won. He, he'll, he'll probably end up hooking the guy up. Um, asking for it is not necessarily the, the best way with these guys from what I've seen. I've always, like – tried to ask for my guys to get the fight of the night bonus or, or everything else. It might backfire actually. So um, I, regardless, I, I bet he gets some sort of check in the mail. His win bonus, probably not his win bonus, but he'll probably get some sort of bonus. Dana's, Dana's the type of dude that will reward a good fight and will reward uh, guys that, that put it all out there. So don't, don't take to Twitter and ask for your win bonus is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Maybe – have your manager mention it on the DL, but don't, because you know what's going to happen. This guy goes out and calls people, says it on, on social media. If he gets it, then he thanks Dana, whatever. And then you're going to have every guy that thinks he won a fight knocking on Dana's door and asking him for his money and then getting mad if he doesn't do it. It's like a little kindness can, can, can backfire sometimes. So, you know, do that, do that stuff on the DL. Right. Well, moving on, uh, another question from our friend, Life is Kicking My Butt. This is a long-term bird's-eye bird's view question, but do you think there will be any mergers between MMA promotions in the next two years? Uh, if you think yes, do you think any MMA promotions, which MMA promotions do you think will merge or which ones do you think should merge? Uh, I think famously uh, LFA was a merger, correct? Or, or I think it was like RFA and LFC kind of merged into LFA, but uh, do you see any... MMA promotions merging down the road? Um, it just kind of depends. You know, there's a lot of things going on politically with the, with the Ali Act. If you guys don't know what that is, it's basically an act that went in, I think, early 2000s that made every boxing match a bidding war um, in some, some way, shape, or form, something to that to that tune. But um, I think it'll kind of depend on, on what happens in, in that in that regard, because I know that they've been fighting with the UFC for a lot of years on the Ali Act and 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 that kind of uh, you know stuff stops monopolies. You know, there was a time where UFC bought Pride, they brought WC, they bought Strike Force, they bought like all these organizations, and then either folded them up or or promoted them for a little bit. Um, so, as far as mergers go, it, it, it's it's possible. I feel like World Series of Fighting has that, that is now uh professional fighters league pfl has a really good relationship with the ufc i don't know if they're merged or have this a good relationship i know they're also on espn so I, I wouldn't put it past um some mergers happening or at least some cross promotions but i don't know which which organizations it would be right well um i can't i can't i think i i i know ryzen does a lot cross promotion and i but i believe they've been on record saying they're more of a federation but i know they want to work with ksw and they want to work with bellator i hear there's like the, there's a rumor of them doing this big bellator versus rising card maybe at the end of the year where they do champion versus champion um would you be interested in the ufc ever doing that i know a, a, we spoke to ksw president martin 
Lewandowski, and he doesn't see it ever happening, and Scott Coker doesn't see co-promotion with UFC ever happening. Not because they don't want to, but because they just said the UFC doesn't need – they just understand the UFC will probably say no. Um, yeah, but you never know. You never count in, can't count anything out when you're looking at the UFC. You know, Dana uh, – Although they have a massive company behind them, they've been bought and everything else. Dana still has, has a lot of leeway to to make exciting things happen. And as you saw with Floyd, uh, he's not afraid to make a buck and and get outside the box um, with the Floyd Connor fight. Also, if you look back to the Pride era, uh, Dana took Chuck Liddell over and was like, "All right, let's let's do this." And he he had. Uh, I think Dana was even in, maybe in the corner. I can't remember, but he, he had him fight Alistair Overeem and, and a couple other guys over there in pride. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not out of the question. In this, in this day and age, in this climate, most likely not going to happen. But you never say never in this sport. It's a crazy sport. Yeah, I think that was the first loss to Rampage Jackson during. He he entered one of the Grand Prix and Chuck lost. And they actually right. interviewed, they interviewed Dana White sitting ringside, and he was like, "Well, Chuck didn't stick to the game plan and this and that." So he was pretty embedded into that uh, into that fight camp. But moving on, um, uh, right? We have a lot of questions coming in for you, uh, Frankie. This seems uh, for UFC two forty is obviously Saturday, so we we should talk about that, Frankie Edgar. This seems like a horrible matchup for Frankie because of Max's reach. But what are the keys to victory for Frankie this weekend? And if he gets the win, do you think it's a crazy idea for him to either go down and fight Henry Cejudo, no offense, Uriah, or get or go back up to fight Habib? His wrestling could nullify the takedowns of Habib and Henry, making it a boxing match, where I think he might have the advantage despite age and mileage. So uh, Frank Edgar is fighting Saturday against Max Holloway in a fight that's been brewing for a long time here in Edmonton. Uh, Henry Cejudo's, he talks a lot about Frankie Edgar whenever we interview him. He doesn't bring up Max Holloway, but he brings up Frankie Edgar. So uh, what are the keys for Frankie, and who would you like – should he go up or down if he does one? Well, first off, Frankie's such a vet, man. I, I went up just because I was bored before <laughs> I retired and, and went and fought him in the Philippines at 145 pounds, and we had a good fight. Uh, I think the key for – for Frankie is he needs to be elusive against uh, Max. Max is a much bigger guy than Frankie. I, I know because I know Max outside of his fight camps, how big he gets, 180, you know, close to 190, I'll bet, um, as a 45-pounder at, at his heaviest. And he's got that Samoan blood. Um, <laughs> and he's also just an output machine. I mean, he, his, his output's crazy, and Frankie's kind of in the same boat. So Frankie has to strategically – uh, land some takedowns and then use some real control, uh, and it, which I think he can do. You know, he's not, he's 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 a much more accomplished wrestler than Max. Uh, I'm not sure on the jiu-jitsu how, how they match up, but uh, Frankie needs to do clinch work. He needs to be super fast and elusive on the outside. Uh, he need to, needs to be all the way out or all the way in, um, because that 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 boxing know-how of max and, and high output along with the reach and the size are all going to be factors for him so i mean he's definitely an underdog um i'd love to see frankie get that of course because you know he's he's got such a history and he's such a he's such a tough kid but at the end of the day you know time and and 
abuse on the on the on the brain through training and fighting and everything else, I still think that that that's on the side of Max. You know, he's the younger, fresher guy. Uh, and if 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 uh, if that were to happen, I think Cejudo wants to go up. I mean, Cejudo's a great matchup for for Frankie, to be honest. Uh, that high caliber wrestling, and he keeps a high pace. He can take a punch. Um, and Cejudo wants to do big things. You know, he's, he's, he's being smart about this. If he could go get three, be the first ever, the youngest ever Olympic gold medalist, get two, uh, two belts or 25, 35, then get up to 45. I mean, that's, that's, you couldn't ask for anything more. So I would say, don't even let Frankie go down. Let, you know, make Henry go up or let Henry go up. I, I should say. Well, sticking to that theme, we had a question that came in and says, please give your top three, the top three lineup possible matchups uh, for Uriah. Uh, so I think they're asking, who would you like to see these fighters fight when they for their next fight? It's TJ, Dominic Cruz and Henry Cejudo. Uh, so which three fighters would you want that? Would you like to see those three fight? I think I can guess who you want Henry Cejudo to fight. <laughs> yeah, I like to get my hands on Henry. I mean. To be honest, he called me out. I answered. I mean, I first answered with action, and then and then voicings. I didn't say anything when he when he called me out because I wasn't necessarily in a position to do so. But I am on a two fight win streak, uh, undefeated for four over four years, maybe three years. Right. <laughs> a, a good a big layoff helped out in that. But, sure. Uh, no, I I'd like to see that with Henry. Uh, I'd also like to see a Frankie fight with, with Henry. That'd be cool for Dominic Cruz. You know, I think Dominic Cruz needs to school some of these young guys. Uh, you know, uh, someone's just Aljamain Sterling was just talking about, uh, how could he, how could I fathom going up and fighting Henry when I lost to Frankie Rivera or Jimmy Rivera, whatever his name is by ankle kicks or, and he beat him. And, and I'm like, dude, Marlon knocked you out. Then Henry just got his got got a massive win over him. You know the MMA math doesn't doesn't stack up. So Dominic Cruz is a great matchup against Aljamain. Aljamain's stand up is still not where it needs to be. Dominic is a great wrestler and super elusive. Um, I think an Aljamain Dominic Cruz fight would be good. And then for TJ, uh, I'd like them to fight a lie detector test. Because that guy's a pathological liar, and and get the real story of what he's been doing over these years. This, you know, that that'd be that'd be the fight for him. <laughs> that'll be that'll be a few years away though. So after his suspension, but a name no one's really throwing around is uh, Peter Yan still out there. I know he wants to fight Algermain possibly for an inch. If if Henry goes back down to fight Joseph Benavides, uh, your former teammate, uh, Peter Yan has been calling for an interim title fight against Algermain Sterling. Uh, what do you think of another interim belt possibly being added to the bantamweight division? Uh, where do you think his path lies uh, if this situation that you've laid out uh, goes down? Um, Peter Yan, man, he's a savage. Great boxing. I think his, you know, his biggest attribute is he's had years and years and years of combat in boxing, but that can also add up. You know, those those guys that have had years of boxing experience, they also uh, the chins go quicker. They're harder hit because they're so so accustomed to, to battle so it takes a, a a good guy to really land one on on, a, on a, an experienced guy like that um, i'm still curious to see how he's grappling i think him and aljamain um with a with the grappling exchange aljamain has got to have a massive advantage and 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 
Peter Jan has a massive advantage on the feet, I would say. So, um, and as far as athleticism goes, you know, I'd, I'd lean towards Aljamain. As, fighting, as far as just being a gritty fighter, I'd say Jan. So that's an interesting matchup. But that guy's not going anywhere. He's, he's still young in the sport. He's got plenty of time. Um, you know, I, I can see in the future a, a fight against Song Yudong and, and Peter Jan. Song is also a savage with his hands. And he's a big fighter for the weight class. And his athleticism and, and skill set is, is unbelievable. Um, people don't have him in the rankings, aren't talking much about him right now. But believe me, that Song Yudong is going to be a force in this, in this weight class. And, and you've seen it. He's got four fights in the UFC, three $50,000 bonuses, massive knockout power. And people haven't even seen his grappling yet. His grappling is, is, is high, high level. So, uh, you know. No one's calling out Song Yudong, that's for sure. I haven't heard one person call him out, and that's wise. Be smart, my friends. Right, and we we spoke to him backstage at UC 239, and he said that you call him the future champion all the time in training camp. Those were his words. Um, And they reminded me of you said the same thing about TJ, and you said the same thing about Cody Garbrandt, and they both became champions. So where does Song Yudong compare those two when they were at this stage? Um, you know – as, as the sport goes on, you're getting younger and younger guys that are more, uh, you know, well-rounded in, in, in mixed martial arts. So, you know, Cody's still – I'm still calling out Cody as the champion. Cody sure. is, is – uh, he's just got to have a good night, a good camp, and stay healthy and decide that he wants to go right now. And, and that's, that's, that's completely up to him. So, you know, you got to see Song and, and Cody – it's it's they, they they you just need to take a break after going with each other. It's 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 nasty, um, but as far as skill set goes, Song is twenty two. He is a kid that basically has gone wherever he can trying to get an advantage in in his training. He you know he he'd go and 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 save his money and go to Singapore and go to a seminar. He'd go to you know he came to us when he was maybe three years ago came to our train with Tam program, just showed up, didn't speak any English and, and spent time with us and, and, and got a feel for, okay, like where he needed to be left, came back. Uh, but his, his history is he's been a lifetime mixed martial artist. So he, he was in one of those big schools where, you know, he had to ask his parents, I think probably had to pay for him to be in an eight, eight hour a day, like, training facility where they line up all the kids and they have dukatas and all that and they spar all day and all this stuff that was when he was 10 11 years old i mean he's a lifetime martial artist and, and he's really good at at all aspects of it so um and yeah I, I i told tj the same thing and i told cody the same thing and um i mean i call it how i see it if i if i see other champions there's a kid in our gym kaleo romero um he he works harder than anyone man i have to kick him out of the gym uh, he's, he's four and one right now. He's he's a guy that's that's really got some great potential, and um, we got another guy, Alexander Munoz, that he beat uh, Nick Newell on the on the contender series. He's he's another guy that that's in that. But you know, I I, I take these guys that already know that they're champions in their mindset, and I and I reinforce it by by saying I see the same thing, man. And me and Cody had some great talks when I I just said, bro, you got the best. You know, when he first came, I'm like, I'm like man, your hands have got to be the best in the division right now, like right when he first started, you know, he's, he's been working with his uncle Bob since he was a little kid and he's, you know, been perfecting the, the, the power and, and 
and all that kind of stuff. But Song is, is a dangerous guy. And, yeah, I tell him he's a champion because he needs to believe that and he needs to be thinking that, along with anyone else that's in this sport. How much do you have to rain, pull the reins back on these young fighters? Because you said you've had to tell people to go away. Is overtraining or like a legitimate thing you have to talk to these guys this early in their career? Because I imagine them being so young, they don't feel the aches and pains from the grinds over the years. So, yeah, how much do you have to pull them back when, they, when, when they're that young? A lot. And I remember first off, and I tell the story to the team all the time, when, when Song was coming out, I think it was probably his second or third time coming out, and he was in every single practice. And we offer a lot at our gym. It's like a university. So you could get there at 7 a.m. and go with Slava Borshov, who's a world champion kickboxer. Then you can do a drill session with myself, Lee Kemp, and Mike, Mike, uh, Michael Malott at, at 7.45. Then you have practice at 9.30. Then you have uh, uh, a midday session of some sort of striking boxing or, or Muay Thai. Then you have jiu-jitsu at night. And so – Guys, you have to make shift a schedule for them. You don't want every person in every single practice. You got to say, okay, what do they need to work on? Everybody's different. Some guys need to get stronger. Some guys need to get uh, better shape. Some guys need better jujitsu, boxing, everything else. So Song was doing everything, and I told his his wife Daisy. I said she was translating for me. I said, hey, you need to tell Song that he he can't he shouldn't be doing all these practices. He needs to like rest some and. Uh, and songs she told them, and his response was, "Well, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to miss the practice because he feels like he's learning too much. Oh wow! That he doesn't want to miss anything. And so, I respect that, and that's where he. That's why he's where he is now, you know. Um, but at this point, I mean, he'll get in and, and he'll he'll see a boxer that's a high level boxer that's trained for boxing, and he'll go extra rounds with that guy and get his sparring in and do. And so that's what I've had to calm down. I had to explain to these guys." This is prize fighting. The thing that you're selling is your body and your brain. You know, you don't want to give that away for free. You have to watch your brain and practice. You have to learn skills to make sure you're mitigating damage. You're not getting your beat up on. And so that's the biggest thing is reminding these guys not to kill each other in practice. Um, and that's, that's a daily thing because, you know, pride, ego, tempers escalate and, and uh, it can be dangerous in there, especially if you're doing it for years and years and years before you even get your real big opportunity. Right. And we're going to jump over to Twitter because we have a lot of questions, mostly about you and Henry. So we'll save those uh, for the very end so you have more time. But um, do you, from our friend, I, you, you, Yakamoto, I apologize if I mispronounced that, uh, Yule. Um, do you reckon Korean Zombie can get a title shot soon? He looks pretty good. Uh, now that he's finished his military service. So, yeah, Korean Zombie coming off another knockout win over Hinata Moicano. The featherweight division is is, pretty, is obviously stacked, especially after this this big fight on Saturday with Max and Frankie. But he was scheduled to fight Frankie before. He did lose to Yair. But he, I, I, in, on my scorecard, he was winning that fight. And if he had survived that last second, he probably would have got a unanimous decision. So where would you like to see the Korean God, Zombie go? from here and what do you make of the your former division the featherweight division has all of a sudden has a lot of activity at the top of the 145 pound weight class yeah i think korean zombies right there a couple of good wins it's almost like a poirier situation where he's you know poirier had the, the loss to notorious notorious uh mcgregor yeah. um, and just kept grinding and, and i know that korean zombie is the same kind of guy he's he's a grinder he's somebody that that literally 
loves this sport so much you, you can't keep him away from it. He actually came out and trained with us a little bit back in the day also. I've got a great video uh, on my YouTube channel of me interviewing him, teaching him some English uh, pickup lines, which was sure. really funny. But, uh, you know, he's a stud, man, and he's, he's, he's such a talented guy. He's just, a, you know, a couple good wins away, like a lot of guys, like an Andre, type, Andre Feely kind of guy, uh, where they're continuing to get better. They're, they're continuing to love the sport. They continue to work hard and, and, and it can pay off or it cannot. So um, he's right there. I think he just needs to keep doing his thing. And Andre Feely is another one of those guys that has been right there. He had a great fight with Max Holloway back in the day and Max caught him with a body shot and then ended with a choke. Um, but he was, he was doing really well against Max. And, and so he's got a resurgence and a refocus that is going to see him in the, in the title mix here soon. And, and people aren't giving him credit, but, it's hard to see a guy that's knocking out, uh, you know, that caliber of guys that he's fighting and, and not get the recognition eventually. Well, we spoke to him after his win at UFC Phoenix, and he said by the end of 2019, I'll be the 145-pound champion. I might not happen because 2019, I think the 145-pound division, there's a lot of stuff that might – not because he can't do it because there's a lot of fights that have to happen, but when does he want to get back in? I know he had a really impressive win, but he wasn't in the octagon that long uh, for that victory. Uh, when is Andre hoping to get back? Like, obviously, I think when people say Team Alpha Male, they're expecting a lot of you guys of that San Francisco card just because it's NorCal. Um, but does he have a timetable for when he wants to fight again? Yeah, he wants to be on that San Francisco card. And, um, you know, Feely is a, you know, we, we do our end-of-the-year banquet each year and, and give away awards to the guys and everything. And, um, you know, Josh Emmett was the first ever, uh, you know, to uh, – to get the award, we have this big wood club where he, you know, walks quietly but carries a big stick. Sure. Uh, that kind of guy. And Feely is is like is like a manifester of, of of big things. You know, he's where he comes from and where he's at now, where he wants to be and where he's gonna be is is just exciting for him and exciting for everyone around him. He you know, he, he, he visualizes, he speaks about it, he verbalizes, he's he wants to be a, a world champion. He wants to do a lot of big things, you know, with his clothing line, with his music, with everything else. But first thing is getting that strap. So, um, you know, he just wants to keep lining them up and knocking them down until, you know, people can't deny him. And so getting back in there is is the is the next step. That's uh, uh, when is the date on the San Francisco card? Um, I'm not 100 percent, but I think it's it's fourth quarter 2019. Yeah, so that's coming, and uh, and that's where he, that's where he's got his eye. Same with Benito Lopez; he wants the same thing. Well, I know when I spoke to Andre Feely in Arizona, he wants to fight Max on an eventual UFC Hawaii card because obviously Max represents Hawaii more than anyone else, and Andre Feely also has ties. So he said, "Me versus Max Holloway sounds like a good main event for UFC Hawaii," and I can't say I disagree. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be a great one, man. And they have a little history before. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, Michael Nakagawa is a, is a former teammate of ours and a good friend of our team. He trains with Max Holloway now also. And uh, he was training with Max and Max was talking about coming out, I think before he was even in the UFC to train with us. And he caught Feely with the guillotine, which I know uh, Nakagawa knew very well. And so I'm curious if, if there is, you know, you know, Nakagawa showed them the series that they ended up getting one of our guys, but they, they, 
they've got a, a, a history. I'd love to see that fight again, and Hawaii would be amazing. I'll be there for sure. That would be fun. Yeah, and that San Francisco card, I believe, is uh, October 12th. So gotcha. I, that's, it's coming up. But we got one or two more questions, and then we're getting a lot of questions about you and Henry. So I'll ask one or two more. But uh, what do you think RDA should do next? Clearly he can hold his ground on the welterweight, but there are a lot of big wrestlers in the weight class. I believe he has more to offer at lightweight. Um, so Rafael Dos Anjos came up short to Leon Edwards uh, at U in the main event at UFC San Antonio. But if you look at his record, the last few people that beat him were Colby Covington, who then went on to win the interim champion, Kamaru Usman, who's now the reigning champion, and now Leon Edwards, who's hasn't lost since his loss to Leon to his first fight against Kamaru Usman. So, uh, what do you think of Rafael Dos Anjos's uh, future? And I, I know a lot of people, him specifically, would like to see a 165 pound division because he thinks that would fit his body weight more because he might. Be, he said he, I believe he he might have passed out cutting weight before his fight against Eddie Alvarez. And then 170, you see he might be too small. So where would you like to see Rafael Dos Anjos go from here? And do you think there should be a 165-pound division? I'd love to see a lot more uh, weight classes. You know, 135 and 145 is, is a big stretch for me, too. I, you know, a 40-pound right. weight class would be perfect or, you know, somewhere in there. Um, but at the end of the day, the UFC knows what they're doing, and they have reasons why they do things. Most of the reason, most of the reasons are, are around business and and um, creating a whole nother division. What does that do to their their current model? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's a big difference. One fifty five to one seventy. That's fifteen pounds. Um, you know, so I would love to see more weight classes. I know that Sage was interested in in a one sixty five pound weight class, and and uh, there's a lot of guys that could probably you know, do well with a 165 pound weight class. But at the end of the day, you know, it would probably take someone like Connor right. forcing it to happen. And I don't really think there's anyone in that position uh, other than Connor right now that could like hold, hold the, uh, the UFC by the, you know, their ass to the fire and say, Hey, this is another division. So unless it makes dollars, it doesn't make sense. So that's probably the, the answer. And I, I spoke to Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman, and they actually want a 195-pound division. Not a lot of people talk about that because they said similar 185 to 205 is a huge jump. So I know they they really want 195. Yeah, and, you know, uh, it, it makes sense. That's a big, big jump, absolutely. And even from 205 to heavyweight, that's right. 205 to 265. Right. You know, and then guys are dropping from 300 to get to 265, and then some guys are, you know, 220. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could do in, in, in that in that remark I mean, in that regard. And um, and Luke, man, Luke is such a talented guy. I and, and I and I've I've had a chance to talk to him after his fight. Uh, it's unfortunate, like in this sport, the 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 way it's like a, the school of hard knocks, you know guys can swing in one direction or another one be on top of the world and be in the dumps and um you know i think luke is another guy that that is going to have a resurgence and you're going to see a lot of things from him still and and it's always crappy to see people count counting guys out because of uh going out and fighting like a warrior and and being on the bad side of 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 uh of, of the truth of the sport which is anybody's day man with the right punch 
So I'm looking what, forward to seeing Luke come back and, and prove the naysayers wrong and get back on track. What did you What did you think of Dana White saying he he'd rather see Luke Rockhold retire? Well, Dana Dana is is uh, I mean he speaks from the heart, and when you see guys get knocked out, uh, you don't know the back end of it. You don't know what their camp was like. You don't know. I mean, one one move the opposite way. Rockhold has the ability to put guys out also. Rockhold could have knocked him out, and then Dana might want to see him for a title fight. So right. Dana's talking as, as a guy that is, like, trying to protect himself and on, on the front of not getting guys hurt. He also told me that he thought Sage Northcutt, after his loss, yeah, retire, you know, and, and, and he said that publicly. But at the end of the day, Sage went and fought at 185 pounds when he was a 55-pounder in the UFC for most of his career. And because he thought that no one was cutting weight, and he fought, he fought against a, a world champion Muay Thai fighter, his first time in a ring, massive layoff with a bunch of injuries, and he you didn't see his best performance. Now, is it is it fair for for Dana to say, hey, he should retire? Yeah, it's fair because he made a, a valid point. He said Sage could do a lot of things. He's a smart kid. He's a good looking guy. He could he's got a, some fame. He can capitalize on that, etc., etc., etc. But is it, it doesn't take away from the fighting spirit or the fact that you don't know the whole story of, of what went into that. I mean, put, put Sage back at 165 pound weight class without injuries and, and proper training. Um, he's, he's a world champ. So, um, you know, Dana doesn't know everything. What was Sage's reaction when he heard Dana White say he wanted to retire? I can't imagine like when we, from the outside looking in, Sage is always a positive, happy person. But when he hears, his old boss say he should probably retire. What, how did he take that? He said, Oh man, heck no. Heck no. (laughs) (laughs) It checks out. All right. (laughs) We have a question for you specifically on Twitter. Um, So I'll preface this by saying this person is, is ranking TJ the greatest bantamweight ever in in the eyes of, in his mind, if your eye is able to fight for the title and win, does he surpass TJ in the bantamweight goat discussion? In my opinion, most definitely. Oh, say, say, say one more time. That, that just read the exact thing. He says, "If Uriah is able to fight for the bantamweight title and win, does he per, does he surpass TJ Dillashaw in the bantamweight goat discussion? In my opinion, most definitely." So this person is basically asking, "If you win the bantamweight title, do you surpass TJ Dillashaw as the greatest bantamweight who's ever lived?" Uh, who cares? I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I was surprised they put me in the Hall of Fame, right? You know, when you're fighting, you don't stop and, and see how you rank in the history of this or that, especially when the history is so small. And Dominic Cruz could be in that conversation. You know, Cody comes back and gets a uh, a win. Cody comes back and beats Henry or whoever's got the belt at that time. He's in that conversation. Uh, TJ could be in that conversation unless you know, you know, count the cheating stuff against him. But I don't think it. people tend to, to do that because a lot of guys that have been in the best, you know, pound for pound list have been caught for cheating, unfortunately. Right. So, I mean, I don't really care. Uh, that'd be cool. I, I, I plan on, uh, I plan on getting that, that fight with Henry and, and uh, I think it's a great matchup for me. So, um, you know, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there and, and I probably won't cross that bridge until I'm maybe 70 when I, <laughs> when I want to go back and relive the glory days. 
So then you said it. So there's a lot of questions to asking about you and Henry Cejudo and the, the trash talk on Twitter and the call outs and everything. So I'll just put it out there. What's going on with you and Henry Cejudo? Is that the fight you're trying to get? Has you heard? I know you said you haven't spoken to Dana, but is there any interest from the UFC? Uh, so yeah. What's, the, what's going on with you and Henry? Well, Henry called me out. Uh, the conversation that Dana said afterwards, I didn't hear it, but somebody said that Dana said, Uriah is old, which age is, is, is very personal thing compared to how you live your life, etc. I'm, I'm a young guy, absolutely. And so I didn't say anything in response. I just went out there and I won my fight against a 26-year-old. By doing that, I took his age, so I'm now 26. <laughs> or for those that want to argue that, I'll do the halfway. I'm halfway between 40 and 26. You do the math. Uh, so uh, age is no longer a factor. I think uh, it's a good matchup for me, you know, and, and, and I don't have to fight. I mean, it's a great business. It's a, the margins in fighting are awesome. You know, the sport's always getting better. And of course that's a big part of, of fighting is you get paid for it. And, and I love that aspect of it, but um, I don't have to fight. I could find a way to, to, to make a living outside, which I have and, and, and uh, I'm okay with, but um <clears throat> That being said, I want fights that matter, and but I needed to get myself back in and, and show that I'm I'm still the same guy before I, before I sit and pick and choose. So uh, that that fight's a, a big fight, but really the big fight that people want to see is is the TJ fight. I'm sure it's just a it's just a the story behind it. I didn't want that fight for a long time because I just didn't want to deal with the drama. But at this point, I don't really have a relationship with anyone in 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 TJ's circle at all. Um, there's a time where I felt like I was kind of close with his family. And, and at this point, the guy just keeps lying about me. Just one little lie, uh, which is that I kicked him off the team when he really just, you know, went off the team. And so that gets on my nerves. Stop lying about me. The, the, those, those are the two fights that are, that are the big fights for me. So if they offered you a title fight or TJ, which one would you want? Title fight. Absolutely. I really don't want to fight TJ. I mean, I really don't. I mean, especially, you know, odds are in his favor. He, 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 he's, he's like a scientist when it comes to, you know, the, what he puts in his body. Um, I know that I've know I've, I've heard, you know, whatever he's doing, I've heard about it for years and I never really delved into it, but uh, he's also younger than I am and he's been training his butt off, but I'll love a good fight. And, and uh, the grit and, and the intensity and the focus and, and the the backstory is good on that one. But I, I'd, I'd, ra I'd rather test myself for the best, a guy that's a fair competitor, a guy that's accomplished a lot in the sport, a guy that, um, you know, has, has done what a lot. I mean, no one has actually done what, what Henry's ever done. He's the youngest guy from, from America to, to get the gold medal. He, he beat some of the best fighters ever in, in Demetrius Johnson and, and, and uh, TJ Dillashaw. He also has a win against Joseph Benavides, who, in my opinion, is, is one of the uncrowned champions. That's a guy that, that I know for sure has never done any PEDs and has fought, you know, who knows who, 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 who's been doing what throughout this time. So, um, you know, Henry's beat some very tough guys and, and um, what an opportunity to go test yourself against 
a historic dude and vice versa. And that's why he's called me out. Now, Aljamain Sterling has also said this, that he would have no issues. Like, say he was next for a title shot. He would have no issue if the UFC skipped over him to give Joseph Benavidez the next flyaway shot and he would wait. Are you in that same boat where, say the UFC wants to give you the next title shot, but they say after this Benavidez fight, you wouldn't have a problem with Joseph basically getting a shot at Henry first? Hell no. Joseph's my boy, man. I mean, I, I've, I've been with Joseph since the very beginning. Uh, he lives the warrior life. He's focused. He goes to bed early. He gets up early. He, he, he lives this life, and he's dedicated to it. He, uh, and, and truthfully, look, I'm a guy that's trying to save the division also. I love the 125-pound division, and, and it's, it was it was killing me that they're talking about taking that division out i mean especially with with a guy like demetrius johnson who who's such a kind-hearted fun guy who's also can beat up everyone in the world at at the you know at the head of it i'd love to see the division stay now that being said you can't make henry do something he's the champ 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 the triple c (laughs) right (laughs) right you don't get to tell him what to do um so I imagine he would have something to say about where he, he fights next. And and uh, and if, if he wants to stay at 135, throw me in there. And Aljamain's MMA math is – he's like a he's like a second-grade-level MMA math guy. When, when I saw his statement, I'm like, you need to, you need to step up to trigonomics. Uh, <laughs> with, 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 with MMA math, you can't do MMA math. Right. Um, Cody beat Dominic. Dominic beat TJ. TJ beat this guy. Uh, Dodson beat TJ. You know, this person beat Dodson. Uriah beat this person. They beat that person. This It's like, bro, that's MMA math. You don't know until you're standing in front of somebody, breathing their their air, taking their punches, seeing their speed. That's how you know if you're going to beat somebody up. Don't do MMA math. Go back to, to elementary school with the, with the one plus one equals two. <laughs> this is a complicated thing, the MMA math and mixed martial arts. And I'm a guy that likes to figure it out by fisticuffs. Sure. Uh, I'm an educated guy, but I'd rather figure it out by throwing down. Well, we've hit literally every question. There's a lot, pretty much all the rest of them are about you and Henry. Uh, we're also running up on time. So if there's anything else you want to say or plug or call out, the floor is yours, Mr. Faber. Uh, no, you know, I'm just... I'm just happy to, to see that there's excitement in the lighter weight, lighter weight divisions. Um, uh, I want to give credit to Demetrius Johnson that gets a bum rap. He's, he's a guy that held it down for a long time. Uh, give props to Henry for, for stepping up and, 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 you know, not be, being afraid to be himself cringy. And, <laughs> and I'm excited for all this stuff coming up, man. I'm excited for Cody to get back in the mix. I'm excited for, uh, Feely to, to manifest his dreams and Josh Emmett. I mean, Josh Emmett's been knocking dudes out. It's getting nasty. Uh, and guy doesn't speak, right? He, he walks, walks quietly, uh, carries a big stick. Um, I'm excited for, for all the energy that's going on with our team. Launch the clothing shop alpha male.com. You want to go get some, some, some cool alpha male, alpha female stuff. And, uh, looking forward to performing again, man. Thanks for having me.
Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome to come on. And with that, we are out of time. So this has been the A-Side live chat on MMAfighting.com. Uh, we've had more questions come in than any other episode that I've hosted. So uh, this was a rousing success. But stick around on the YouTube page. We are in, I am in Edmonton right now for the fights, UFC 240 on Saturday. We're going to have uh, the open workouts later today, Max, Frankie, Cyborg, Lee Spencer. We're all going to have all those. But next weekend, I don't know who the host is going to be, but same time next weekend for the A-Side and for Jose. That's UFC Hall of Famer, Uriah Faber. Uh, see you next week, guys.